We're in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. We're finishing up chapter 16, actually. Um, First and 10 Kings, originally one book. Um, and we talked about how it begins with the very end of, of David's reign. And at the we're really at the point at the, what we could call the peak of the kingdom of Israel. It's just um, with, with the end of David's reign, everything was at peace. The nation was prosperous. and um, For most of Solomon's reign, it continued like that. But in Solomon's reign, the seeds were laid for the downfall. And the rest of the book of, of Kings is just really leading, talking about the downfall. Um, very shortly, they split up into two nations, Israel and, and Judah. Um, and the book of Kings follows both, and that's why I gave you the, the chart about the kings to follow as you read. It follows both the kings of Israel and Judah. When we get to Chronicles, Chronicles will only follow the kings of Judah. Um, and it does it in much more detail. So, people like Ahab, um, you, you'll hear hardly a thing about them in the book of Chronicles. It's just... Because Chronicles is mostly concerned with the temple. The temple was in Jerusalem. It was in Judah. And in fact, what did the kings of the northern kingdom do to avoid having their people have to go to the temple in Jerusalem. They offered two places. Convenient places. Convenient places. And what were in those places? Calf. Yeah, they had golden calves in the north and the south, in Dan and in Bethel. And who was the king that started that? First one. Yeah, it was the first one. Jeroboam. Jeroboam, yes. Every king after that continued it. But some were worse than others. And who was the worst of the whole group? Ahab. Ahab. With his wife. Yeah. And, um, let me see here. Yeah. Um, and at the very end of chapter 16, we were introduced to Ahab. Chapter 16, verse 31. It came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sense of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat that he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went to serve Baal and worshipped him. So he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Ahab also made the Asherah. Thus Ahab did more to revoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So with, with Ahab, we have reached the very lowest point in the, the, um, the kings of the kingdom of the north, of the north, the kingdom of Israel, um, a very critical point, and a point at which God brings in a very powerful antidote to this terrible sin. What's the antidote? Elijah. Elijah. Yes. Um, we've had prophets before, of course, and Moses was a prophet. We've had a number of prophets, but beginning with Elijah, uh, the the prophets assume a much higher profile. We, we, we read about them more in, in the book of Kings and in 
Not too long from now, we'll start having entire books by prophets. Uh, we've got, of course, as you know, we've got the five books of the major prophets, the twelve books of the minor prophets, uh, which were written over over several hundred years. But the first of them will be written not too long from now, uh, and so we're kind of going onto a new page in the way God is dealing with His people here. Elijah, what a guy. I mean, of course, we've got some of those famous stories in the Bible that, that take place with Elijah. Um, anyone know what he dressed like? John the Baptist. He dressed just like John the Baptist, didn't he? Yeah. Um, of course, he's the one that started. John the Baptist is the guy at the top. He had the black camel's hair, uh, outer garment, and a leather belt. Um, what kind of people would wear clothes like that? Garments. Yeah. I heard several. You're right. I said eccentrics. Eccentrics. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I I would also suggest poor people would. And he was not wearing expensive clothes here. Um, and. and I think he was deliberately trying to protest against the the luxury and 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 selfishness really of of the court in Israel. Ahab, we we see Ahab mostly as being a, a weak king who who did what his wife wanted to do, which was terrible, um, and just and was doing a lot of damage to the. the uh, worship of, of the Lord. But he was also a rich king. I mean, at one point it talks about his, the house that he, the house of ivory that he built. Now, I, I, I don't think he used ivory instead of two by fours to put the thing up, but um, if, if you went in this place, you would have seen uh, a lot of ivory panels on the walls and just you know, as decorations where we might use wallpaper. <laughs> The guy had money. I mean, and and it was just it, it was luxurious. And, and we, in fact, we see one of his very famous sins that Elijah rebuked him for was was what? The guy's vineyard for his vineyard. Yeah, had a guy murdered and then took his vineyard so that he could have a garden next to his palace. I mean, here, here's a just a very self-centered uh, person used to having what he wants. Doesn't matter how much it costs, and Elijah comes along wearing clothes that just show he, he's the very opposite of this. Um, and when he when he, Elijah appears on the scene, we don't get gradually introduced to him. <laughs> he shows up at Ahab's palace, and what's he tell him? Not going to rain for three years. Well, you're close. Close. It's not going to rain until when? Until he says, yeah, he didn't mention how long it's going to be. I don't think he knew how long it was going to be. It's just not going to rain until he says. Now this actually goes back to something in what book of the law? Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. What did what did God predict in Deuteronomy? What he would do if they served idols and refused to repent? Yeah, he's going to make the sky iron. <laughs> Which is a poetic way of saying there's not there's nothing coming out coming down out of the sky. 
And so on our chart, we're, we're going all the way through the end of 1 Kings this morning. So we're going to cover basically the whole thing is Elijah and Ahab. There's a short piece about Jehoshaphat, a short piece about Isaiah at the very end, but most of this is all about, uh, about Elijah. So, um, when, after he said that, what did Elijah do? He went to a place that God would provide water for him and the ravens would feed him. Yeah. So as far as Ahab was concerned, he disappeared. <laughs> and for the next three and a half years, he's going to be very scarce. <laughs> um, I don't know that Ahab realized how badly he would want to find Elijah at first. I mean, this matter of not raining, it, it kind of gradually dawns on you. Um, and by the time he figured out that he needed this guy back, he was nowhere to be found. It appears, though, that at the same time that Ahab was trying to find Elijah, what was Jezebel doing? Killing the prophets. Killing prophets of the Lord, yeah. Systematically going around killing any prophets of the Lord. So, this, this is what we were talking about. This is the, a very, very critical time in the nation of Israel when you have this daughter of the king of Sidon who, who, is, who is also a priest of Baal. She, is, she wants to stamp out Jehovah worship and replace it with Baal worship. And she's one that um, doesn't stop it much to get her away. Yeah, Obadiah is the one that saves 100 each. Or yeah, 100, yeah, yeah he, he's notable for his courage in, in, in saving 100 of the prophets and feeding them, which would have been a, quite a task. I don't know how long it went, but yeah. And you, you know, that just comes out sort of um, as a side note. You have no idea how, how many times you had acts of courage going on like this. Um, later on, God told Elijah, I think to his surprise, there was quite a lot of people that hadn't been worshiping Baal. How many did God say there were? Sorry, not even close. 7,000. 7,000. 7,000 that had not bent their knees to Baal. Which includes 500, of course. Yes, yeah, it includes 500. Okay. Um, just, Samaria was the capital of the kingdom. And the first place that Elijah was told to go was east of the Jordan. So somewhere over here was the brook Kirith. I don't think anyone actually knows where that is, but I may be mistaken. I don't know where it is. I guess I can say that much. And uh, he drank water from the brook. What? How? Where did he get his food from? The ravens. Ravens brought him, brought him, which is an unusual thing when you think about it, since ravens are an unclean bird. Well, he didn't eat the ravens. <laughs> <laughs> but then the next place God told him to go was also unusual. Where, where was that? Isn't that inside him? 
Um, it was near Sidon. It was in the region of Sidon. It was actually the, the city of Zarephath up here. But it was actually in, it was owned by Sidon, which was where Jezebel's dad was the king. <laughs> so that's kind of funny what Ahab is, is sending to all the nations around, making them take oaths that they could not find Elijah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Elijah, he started out in Ahab's own territory, and he ended up in Ahab's father in law's territory. Uh, and uh, come right on in. Uh, so this woman, is she a, a Jew or a Gentile? She's a Gentile. She's, she's a Gentile. That's right. So, um, first he's getting fed by these unclean birds, then he's getting fed by a Gentile. <laughs> Interesting indeed. Um, that, if I got my facts correct, that um, mentioned in the New Testament about when Oh yeah, Jesus mentioned her, yeah. He mentioned her pointing out to the Jews that Elijah had been sent to a Gentile. They didn't like to hear that. Whereas the other thing that's surprising, I mean, if you were going to think of someone that was going to take care of a prophet, I mean, you'd naturally think of someone that had a little bit of money. I mean, you know, someone they could take... I mean, because these are very difficult times. The famine was affecting even the area of Sidon, this drought. And the last person you ever think would be able to take care of her would be a poor widow with a son that she's trying to take care of. <laughs> Doesn't she acknowledge him as man of God? So. Yes, God, God knew her before Elijah got there. God, God, God picked her out, I think, because she was a woman of faith. She, she recognizes Elijah as a man of God. And she knows which God it is. It's Jehovah. And when... When Elijah asks her to act on faith and provide him with a meal, even though it's the last food she has in the house, she accepts his word that there'll be more after that and, and gives him his, his bread. Yeah, Tracy. Is that is this Shamanite woman the same one that built the house for Elijah, or is it a different one? Um, a little room for you to stay. The word you're using is not in this story. Shemanite is not here. Well, She's a she's a widow of Zarephath. Right. Um, Maybe it's a different one. Oh, the one you're thinking of is a Shunammite woman. Shunammite. Shunam. No, it's a different. That woman was a Jew. This woman's a Gentile. There's no relation to the two. Yeah. Um, she and that other woman wasn't a widow. She had a husband. Still alive. Um, she's the one that had to sell her two boys because because she was. Um, That's a third woman. <laughs> There's a lot of women in these stories. <laughs> the, the third woman you're talking about, she was a widow. She was a widow of a prophet. Um, yeah. All right, and we'll get to all of these. Yeah, I just thought that was <laughs> Well, it's interesting how God doesn't pick the the people we would expect Him to pick to accomplish His purposes. A poor widow is the one that takes care of Elijah. And apparently, well, the fact that at the beginning of chapter 18, it says in the third year, and we know from what Jesus said, what James says, that the famine lasted three and a half years. So in the third year is implies that he was probably with the widow for about two and a half years, meaning he was at the brook Kerith for another year before that. 
so during that time, I'm sure the widow learned a lot about God, um, including the fact that God can raise the dead. <laughs> um, so she was quite blessed, and of course had all this food, which she was going to starve if, if this hadn't happened. But now, chapter 18 it is um, even more famous. When Elijah shows up and tells Ahab to gather all the prophets of Baal, all the prophets of Asherah, and, and all the leaders of the people to the top of Mount Carmel. And Mount Carmel here, you see, sticks out into the ocean a little bit. And at its highest point, it was about 1,700 feet high. Um, so they're going to go up there and they're going to have a contest between Baal and, and Jehovah. Which one is the true God? Apparently, he didn't. Apparently, Ahab didn't bring the 400 prophets of Asherah, even though uh, Elijah told him to. He just brought the 400 prophets of Baal. Maybe he thought his wife wouldn't have been happy if he'd done that because they were her prophets. <laughs> um, they have quite a contest. And what a picture! A very famous story is this. It's, he gives the um, prophets of Baal first chance at it. He lets them go for, on for hours and hours. And, uh, from what I've read, that their behavior was very was very well known. That um, they would have these dances, which kind of remind me of Indian war dances, uh, where they would they would go round and round in circles and um, getting more and more frenzied and excited. And 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 the idea was to really build up the excitement of the people who were watching, get them into it. Um, but about the time the excitement was really building up. Elijah kind of starts speaking up, puncturing, puncturing their balloon a little bit, you know. <laughs> Cry louder, you know. He can't hear you. Maybe he's away on a journey. <laughs> so, sort of deflating the, uh, the mood. And they end up even starting to cut themselves, which again was a practice that, that they did follow. Um, where they would... The idea was that the blood that they were causing to get spurted out all over their bodies was an atonement to the God. The God would listen to them because they were actually shedding their own blood. But actually he had given them enough time. That was God's turn. <laughs> and uh, Elijah did his in a very different manner. Just carefully built the altar out of how many stones? Twelve stones. The nation of Israel. Put the wood on put the animal on and had them pour water. How many pictures full of water did they pour on? Three. Three occasions. Three occasions. Four pictures. Uh-huh. Three times four. We got twelve again. Alright. So and then instead of you know crying out and dancing around all that, what does he do? He prays. Just a very simple prayer. And, and James makes a point that Elijah really was a man of prayer. He, uh, we don't read about it, but James tells us that he prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain. And, um, after this prayer, and of course the fire, he's going to go up on top of the mountain and he's going to pray for rain. So, interesting lesson for us this. Um, God... God is not far from any of us. He doesn't require us to shed blood all over our bodies to try to get into here. 
He's looking for a heart that is anxious to serve Him. And that prayer of Elijah's, it worked the power. Yeah. I was just wondering, after, uh, after the rain comes and Desbo wants to kill Elijah for killing the prophets, did um, God answer his prayer that when Elijah said he was ready to go and take my life? No, no, because God didn't. God didn't let him go. No, the reason I say that is because he anointed, he anointed Elijah. Elijah, Elijah. Yeah. He did anoint Elijah, but no, he had more work to do. <laughs> no, that was one request God didn't grant to him. I mean, I mean, everyone has to go at some point, but one time for Elijah. Um, so, did the did the fire from God convince the people? It sure did. And what happened to the prophets of Baal? <laughs> Everyone of them were killed in the hands of those who saw. Yeah, all four hundred and fifty. So, I guess they're looking for Jezebel. Her prophets weren't there too. So she wasn't very happy about four hundred and fifty either. And then, of course, Elijah prays for the rain, and it rains. They, instead of going back to Samaria, which apparently was where Ahab was, they went to Jezreel, which was where uh, Jezebel was living. Uh, Jezreel apparently was the summer palace for the kings of, of Israel, whereas Samaria was their, um, their kind of their permanent location. Samaria was the capital. Um, but in the hot summer, Jezreel was a, a much more pleasant spot. So um, from Mount Carmel, uh, Ahab took his chariot uh, down here to Jezreel. And how did Elijah get to Jezreel? He took the quick route. He, he ran. <laughs> yeah, he ran in front of the chariot the whole way in the middle of this pouring rainstorm. <laughs> he, he was pumped, as we say. Um, you can understand how Elijah would have felt. This was just... This is what he'd been praying for. I mean, finally the answer, you know, Baal worship has been stamped out. The people understand the Lord is, is God. And then what happens that makes them think maybe not? Just about wanted to kill him. Yeah. Now why in the world would, if she wants to kill him, why would she say, you got 24 hours and then you're dead? Yeah, I think she, she just wanted him out of town. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he was a bad influence on her husband. <laughs> Get him out of there. And I think it's probably easier for her to have him leave by of his own will for her to have to kill him. Um, and I, I'm not, I, I'm really not convinced that he left even because he was afraid. Because fear doesn't seem to be a part of Elijah. Um, but I do think he was very discouraged. And, and I want to ask the question at this point. Did this contest help? I mean, we still see Jezebel pulling all of her stunts and all that. Did it help? I think so. All right, I, think, think? I think a lot of, a lot of um, people went over to Judah to worship in the temple because of all this. I don't know. Do you have any scripture on that? Yeah, it's later on when uh, a lot of maybe a lot of the faithful Jews 
Yeah, I think you're thinking several hundred years later, though, it would have been these people. Um, though, I mean, this may have helped move in that direction. But he, even, in my judgment, even Ahab himself has changed after this. We're, we're going to see how even his own behavior is, he pays more attention to God and what God says. I mean, I'm not saying he's a man of God. He's nowhere near that. But it, it has made a difference. Um, and his sons even, um, the second son that reigned, Jehoram, he moved the pillar of Baal out of its public place into a more private spot. So um, all of this is sort of slowly moving them back away from Baal worship. Now it's not going to be complete until King Jesus comes along, which is quite a ways while from now in our story. But it did accomplish a lot, but not as much as what Elijah would hope for. So Elijah ends up going 40 days fasting in in the wilderness to Mount Sinai where just like Moses he sees this vision of God and God presents him three things in a row. There's a, a, a big a, four. There's a, a big powerful wind. There's an, uh, a fire. Wind, earthquake, fire. And what's the fourth thing? A still small um, blowing. And God's not in the first three. God's in the still small, small blowing. What's God trying to teach Elijah with this? Sometimes it's the small things that God wants. Yeah, that's right. Elijah's looking at the big things, the, you know, the big contest, the big fire killing 450 prophets of Baal. And those are necessary. They were, they were purpose of God, done by God. But there's another work going on that you don't see that, that is, is in fact more powerful. It's still small blowing. And that still small blowing was what had accomplished 7,000 in Israel that hadn't bowed their knees to Baal. And when we finish the entire Old Testament, Jesus is going to come along and He's really going to be a still small boy. He did not come with the power of Elijah to destroy, to kill. He came with miracles of kindness and with preaching. And ever since then, that's been the way God's kingdom has been progressing with people of faith working with him in, the, in what really is still today a still small bone. In chapter uh, 20, the king of Aram uh, comes down and attacks uh, Samaria. Now Aram, you see here is the area of Aram. The capital of Aram was Damascus. Um, from what I have learned in my studies that Arameans came from the desert. They were desert Bedouin who, who had um, moved into this area fairly recently and they were and they were kind of dramatically affecting the balance of power. Uh, and so the king of Aram here apparently Ben Hadad his, he wants to completely subjugate Israel. And although Ahab was willing to let him have some of what he wanted. Ahab wasn't willing to let him completely 
destroy the nation and leave it a poverty-stricken nation that was completely uh, helpless before their enemies. And God gave him a victory, and the, which is just amazing and that God would do this for Ahab, knowing what we know of Ahab. But not only did God give the victory, but Ahab listened to this prophet of God. And I think that's part of what had been accomplished there on, on Mount Carmel. So that when the prophet said, you know, here's the ones that are supposed to go out first, Ahab gathered them up. Okay, you guys, you go out first. And, uh, and, they, won the, and they won the battle. And then the prophet said, you better get ready because he's coming back next year. And so I guess Ahab spent the time, you know, equipping his army as best he could. And next year the battle took place in a different place. Uh, it, it took place up here at Aphek. And why did why did Ben Hadad pick a place like that? The, the mountain gave the victory to their to the god of the yeah. Jews. Jehovah is a mountain god. Fight in the plains. And, I mean, and this is so typical of of, of the view of the idolaters that um, each god has his own special specialty and. and Unfortunately, it, it, it's it's rather related to attitudes people have today, where you, you find people will pray to a certain saint because he's the he's the saint of travelers or he's the saint of sick people, and it just the God we serve is the God of everything, <laughs> and because of that, God said, "I will give the victory," because He wanted the Arameans to understand that the Lord is not just. Uh, the God of the mountains. And, and they won the victory even though they were completely outnumbered. I mean, he had 100,000 troops. He had chariots and all this. But I gave Ahab the victory. Unfortunately, what did Ahab do that he shouldn't have done? He let Ben Hadad He let Ben Hadad live. With flattery. Yeah. You remember a previous king had done the same thing when God wanted the king put. Yeah. Who was that? Saul. Saul let Agag live. And Ahab's doing much the same thing here. And interestingly enough, who's going to ultimately kill Ahab? The, the Arameans by this same king. <laughs> I mean, this king makes all these promises, but he's not going to keep his promises. And, and so Ahab's going to die at, under the army of this guy. So chapter 21, we have the, the Naboth thing. Um, did Ahab really kill Naboth? No. He had nothing to do with it. Hey, it was his wife that did it. <laughs> I mean, she sent out uh, directions under the king's seal, so he must have permitted that. Uh, but he probably didn't know what we're in. Uh, that's right. There's no limitation. <laughs> Isn't this a human... Tendency, where you know we're we're having it somewhere else, someone else to do the dirty work. Just don't let me know anything about it. That's the, you, know, you hear people say that. I, you know, if you want to do that, don't let me know about it. God's not fooled with that kind of behavior. <laughs> and, and when when Elijah comes to rebuke somebody, he doesn't come to rebuke Jezebel. He comes to rebuke Elijah. Ahab. He was the king. It was his seal that was used. It was his wife that did the work under his at least tolerance. And he was happy enough to accept the benefits. You know, he, he didn't say, 
What have you done? You know, Nimbus didn't want an uh, innocent guy. He didn't none of that. No. I am happy to have this garden. That was his view. And so he was given a pretty, pretty heavy punch, but dogs are going to eat uh, anyone that belongs to Ahab that dies in the city, and the birds in the air will eat the ones that die in the field. But Ahab did something that gave him a little bit of awe from that. What did Ahab do? Like Tory clothes. Tory clothes, put on fast, sackcloth, fasted. Um, do you think he genuinely repented? God's not easily fooled. <laughs> yeah. The, the lesson I get from this is that even the very smallest movement in the direction of God, God is willing to listen to. um, I mean, the rest of his life is not... I don't see anything in the rest of Ahab's life that shows me that he suddenly turned around and became a good person. I mean, look at his behavior toward Micaiah, the prophet of the Lord. You know, feed him on, you know, bread and water until I come back safely. I mean, that's not the attitude of a person of God. But even a little movement in God's direction, God is willing to listen to and encourage. And it really reminds me of Jesus' answer to Peter when Peter said, well, how often should I, if my brother sins against me and says he's sorry, how often should I forgive him? And... Jesus basically says we're not we're not counting how many times we, we've got it we have to we have to forgive and God is showing that same thing even even though we look at it and we say a big hypocrite like that God sees something there and um, so the dogs didn't eat Ahab <laughs> he still died at God's hand but the dog. Dogs didn't eat Ahab. They did eat Jezebel. It probably was useful that this is a prominent man known to have sinned against God. It is uh, 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 his turnabout acknowledgement would have been known to it, it was public. That's right. And it certainly would have been an encouragement to the seven thousand. Yeah, that all, very good points. What he did, at least externally, was right, and I would say internally. It was better than nothing. <laughs> um, but it wasn't enough, unfortunately. Um, I think as long as Jezebel was going to be alive, that, that man's never going to be what he ought to be. So we finally come to chapter 22 and the end of, of Ahab. He wants to go and attack uh, the city of Ramoth Gilead, which you see is in his territory. But who owns it? Well, the guy he let off, <laughs> Ben Hadad. <laughs> we got to go get this. We got to go get our our city back. <clears throat> okay? Ben Hadad had to get his promises. And who who's going to go with him? Yeah, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Judah, king of Judah. Yeah, southern. 
Uh, was Joshua had a good king? He was a pretty good king. He was a good king. Listen, all the records say he was good. The one bad thing he did was make an alliance with Ahab. We'll talk about that more when we do Chronicles. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Jehoshaphat now. <clears throat> but he agreed to go with Ahab. He only had one suggestion. What was that? Prophet of God. <laughs> yeah, let's ask the prophet of the Lord. So Ahab pulls out. How many does he have there? 400? 400 prophets of the Lord. And they claim to be prophets of the Lord. Um, and after all 400 speak, then Jehoshaphat says, well... <laughs> there's another one? <laughs> yeah, there's another one. And this is my guy. We've never heard of him before. We never hear of him afterwards. But obviously, a man of courage. It appears that he was he had already been imprisoned by Ahab for his prophesying. He gets pulled out to do this one last prophecy. And um, that's an interesting picture he gives. Um, here you have in the gate of, of Samaria, which is a big broad area where they did a lot of the business, you have these two kings on their portable thrones sitting there, and you have all these 400 prophets around them telling them, go, go, you can take the, you can take Raymond Gilead. Meanwhile, there's another king sitting on a throne with a bunch of people around him too. And this other one is who? God. Yeah. Jehovah is sitting on his throne and he's got all these spirits around him and what does God want he needs some advice from his people what's the advice he needs how are we going to deceive Ahab <laughs> how are we going to get Ahab to go up to, to uh, Raymond Gilead and die now now understand this is I mean this is a vision I mean, we, have, we have a lot of visions in the Bible and the visions all teach truth. But I don't think we're, we're supposed to take all the details about this vision literally as if the Lord couldn't figure out how to do it without, without help. I mean, that, that, that's, that's not the point of the vision. The point of the vision really is you two kings here making your plans are not the ones who are really going to make plans. There's another city gate with another king sitting there and he's the one that makes the plans for the whole world. And when he makes the plans, <clears throat> nobody stops him. <clears throat> and sure enough, even when the, even when Micah tells they have exactly what's going on, they <laughs> have still going to go up to the <laughs> to Raymond Gilead. Although he did take one precaution. <laughs> what was the one precaution? He let, was it? Did he let Jehoshaphat uh, go first? Well, in the clothes. Yeah. 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 I won't dress up like a king. I'll be disguised. You wear your robes as a king, which almost cost Josh Ben's life. <laughs> and didn't help any thinking that, you know, God, he's going to get around God this way. You know, God can't figure out where he is if he doesn't have his robes on. So that's the end of Ahab. And then after him, we have two more of his sons reign. No grandsons, but. The first son was Ahaziah. And Ahaziah died without any children. Um, he, um, I think he reigned two years, if I'm not mistaken. But how did he die? Either one that was sick and dead died. Yes. How did he get sick? Did he fall? He fell, yeah. He, it says he fell through the lattice in his upper chamber. 
so, uh, you know, falling from the second floor, I, I don't know exactly how that happened, but um, that's not a good thing. And it, Can what verse you I'm sorry. I'm in Second Kings chapter 1. Um, so he's in... Um, he's in Samaria, the capital. He sends to where to find out if he's going to get well. God of the God of Ekron. So now there's Ekron. What what country is that in? Philistine territory. So that's why Elijah says, is it because there's no God in Israel that you're sending to inquire of Baal, Zebub, the God of Ekron? <laughs> why do you have to go all the way out of the country to inquire? <laughs> because you're your own God, the God of Israel. <laughs> well, of course, he's just like his mom. And it costs him... Quite a few of his soldiers before he finally gets Elijah before him, and all the gains from Elijah coming before him, he hears the same thing as he did before. You're going to die. You're not going to come come down from the sick bed. So then his brother Jehoram takes over, and then we come to chapter two, and this is the last <coughs> chapter in Elijah's life. It's time for Elijah to uh, to leave. And what an honor for the way he left. Um, there's only two people in the Old Testament that left in the way he did without dying. Who was the other guy? Enoch. Enoch, way back in Genesis chapter 5. And, uh, who saw him go? Who saw Elijah go? Elisha. Elisha, yeah. Hard to keep those two guys straight, but Elijah and Elisha. Um, but Elisha was the one, when, when Elijah was on Mount Sinai, or Horeb, uh, God told him to go back and anoint Elisha to take over after him. And so Elisha's been serving Elijah for some years now, just as a servant, but learning the whole time. And now he knows that his master is going to be taken away from him now. So um, a chariot of fire and horses of fire came down, separated them, and Elijah was taken up to heaven in the whirlwind. And uh, Elisha got his mantle. The mantle was outer garment made out of what? Camel hair. Yeah, so now he's got the same garment that Elijah used. And he's he is now the prophet in Israel. There are other prophets. He's the prophet. In fact I should mention that there's a phrase found in chapter eighteen, I think it is, the sons of the prophets. And the only place it's found in the Old Testament is in 1 Kings and 2 Kings. The first time it's found is in the time of Elijah. And it appears that these sons of the prophets are... And it's not that they're all, you know, they all have dads that are prophets. That's not what Hebrew son of means. They were, they were schools. That, uh, and they were groups of, of these men who, who were devoted to God. And apparently sometimes they really did get direct revelation from God because... One of those guys was picked to go and, and tell Ahab he had done wrong in, um, in letting Ben-Hadad live. And he was one of the sons of the prophets. But Elisha is the head of all these sons of the prophets now, as Elijah was before him. And uh, so the sons of the prophets asked permission to go send a search party out for Elijah's body, which is pretty dumb, and Elijah tells them not to do it, but they finally urge him so, for so long he lets them do it. And then... We have the first of, of a couple miracles here. They, they um, their water is bad, and, and it's it's causing barrenness. So 
he, what does he use to purify the water? <coughs> salt, yes. Which salt was what was always altered with the sacrifices to God. And you remember in the New Testament, you're the salt of the earth. And then the second miracle he does is when these young men, and I think the King James Version has them being a lot younger than they really are. They, they could have been 20 years old or so, uh, uh, according to this Hebrew word used. The same same term, from what I understand, that was used of Solomon when he when he became king. Um, they're not they're not children, and and their attitude, they're in Bethel, which was one of the places where the golden calf was, and they don't want to prophesy the Lord there. So they're they're suggesting that he should go up just like Elijah went up. You know, they've heard about how Elijah was carried up into heaven. So you know, you can go up too, you bald head, and insult him. So he cursed them in the name of the Lord, and the Lord was the one that chose how to bring about the curse with the bears tearing them up. Um, he also heals the woman uh, that, um, the wife of this prophet's son. Not in chapter 2. Well, you're still in 2. Yep. I'm only going to get as far as chapter 3 for the day. <laughs> Tracy's way ahead of you. Yeah. I thought you were... Close to Chapter 2, that's next week, sorry. Um, let's see here. This one was... Um, I forget why I have that map now. Here's where I wanted to get. In chapter 3, they, they have a battle against the nation of Moab. Anyone know what's pictured on the screen there? It's the Moabite stone. Very famous thing. This this stone was written by Misha, the king of Moab. And he told about this whole story, although from his own perspective, a little bit different details. Um, he mentions Omri, the, the, who was Ahab's father. Omri, the king of Israel. He mentions Omri's son. And he mentions the you know the the battles, the, you know, how he was subjugated by Amri and Amri's son, how he fought back. And it's all on a stone that was inscribed back in that in that same era. This stone was discovered back in 1800. <coughs> um, Unfortunately, the townspeople couldn't agree on who, who got to keep the stone, so they broke it into pieces. <laughs> That's why you see all the cracks there. Well, they found it, it was a whole nice stone. They broke it. <laughs> to me, it's kind of a parable of how how we humans can't seem to do anything without breaking things. Well, Solomon advised to cut the baby in half. <laughs> they had precedent, legal yeah. precedent. So, well, we got to stop. Any last questions or comments? Yeah, yeah, just about the camel's hair thing. Uh, I got a camel's hair uh, touring car robe for my grandmother. And it's exceedingly warm. So anybody wearing a camel's hair robe is probably planning on sleeping out at night. So I think the people would have known that. All right, so you're saying it would make a great blanket. Yeah, that's of course, right. their robes were their blankets back then when they were cool. Yeah. All right, appreciate everyone's help. <laughs>